0: Hello and welcome back to Freedom Machines with Freddie Dobbs. I want to start off this week's podcast episode slightly differently from usual because I want to start off with a few different uh, comments and messages that I've had from people over the past week because to give you an overview for the past four days and I just dropped it off yesterday, lunchtime, I've had the Harley Davidson Pan America. And I'll get to my thoughts on the bike in a bit, which is my first big adventure bike that I've ever tested. And it's been a really good, insightful few days where I've been able to see people's thoughts and feelings on adventure bikes in general, and also a chance for me to decide finally, you know, what is the fuss about? With adventure bikes what am i missing out on and i will happily admit they are not my kind of bike style wise i'll happily admit that but it's not always about style so i took delivery of the pan america with a completely open mind as to a new style of motorbike that i've never considered before and i'll get to it i know but just to give you a, a short insight my eyes have been opened And let me give you some insight from a few different people and their thoughts on Adventure Bike. And actually just a few other thoughts in general that I found interesting over the week. Someone here messaged me or commented and said, um, I think the biggest hurdle for Triumph that Triumph have is to overcome all of their crappy dealers. It doesn't matter how good a product might be. If the service is poor, then people aren't going to be buying. And this is talking in reference to a YouTube video I posted last week. Well, I picked up my motorbike, my Triumph Bonneville from the mechanic. And I said to him, where were the Triumphs in Tenerife? And the mechanic said to me, oh, Triumph's name is Dirt, absolute dirt in Tenerife. And I said, why is that? He said, well, in the north of the island, Triumph used to have a main dealer. And they treated all of the Tenerife and bikers atrociously. And since then, none of the bikers in Tenerife have, uh, have any trust in the brand. And still, still now, a few years after that main dealer closed, they've since got a franchise next to Harley. But since that main dealer closed, the, the trust still hasn't quite come back. And the bikers of Tenerife still do not trust triumph motorcycles so much so that there's a story that a biker in Tenerife was trying to sell his triumph Daytona he couldn't sell it for 3,000 euros in Tenerife and bearing in mind vehicles are more expensive in Tenerife than mainland Spain because it's harder to get them here significantly more expensive here he couldn't sell his triumph for 3,000 euros in Tenerife so he had to get the ferry and go all the way to the mainland, to the south of Spain, where he comfortably sold it for 4,800 euros. That, that is the difference, and that is how important getting the right staff on board is and having the right sales team and after sales team on at a motorcycle dealership. You can't just have a good bike and think, oh, we've got some of the coolest bikes on the market, there we go, doesn't matter, we'll, we'll hire anyone. No, it will destroy a reputation. 10. 10 out of the 3,000 motorcycles that the garage in Tenerife that I got my bike serviced at, only 10 out of 3,000 are Triumphs. That says everything. I move on. This is about adventure bikes in general. And I'm quoting. Imagine trying to take that Leviathan off-road, referring to the Pan America. I once took a BMW GS 1200 out for a test ride, bloody awful, slow on the motorway, and would have spent half its time laid on its side if I had taken it off-roading. These big adventure bikes are just too heavy, they're nice to pose around town, but too heavy for genuine off-roading. Not that I've ever taken a big adventure bike off-roading, but the the last thing I'd want to do is take uh, a Pan America BMW GS. The last thing I'd want to do is take them off-roading. I I do kind of agree. These big, these huge, and they are huge, 250 kilo-ish bikes, the big adventure bikes, they are not remotely off-roading machines. They are purely for the tarmac. I really do think so. And if you're going to take them off-road, you don't want anything too too challenging. It's got to really be fairly flat and just more of a dust track rather than hardcore froding. I know, I know some highly experienced off-roaders will be able to deal with it, but in my eyes, no, forget it. Forget it. They're too big. Moving on. Again, someone else messaging me. They say that Harley-Davidson Pan America affected BMW GS adventure bike sales seriously. Harley-Davidson is now the top seller of adventure bikes for the last three consecutive months. Sorry, I don't know which which country this is from, but Harley-Davidson, apparently, are now the top seller of adventure bikes. That, that is eye-opening, wow. Um, Just see if there's anything else interesting. Oh, this is interesting. This was actually just me me reading through the the motorcycle news. The best-selling adventure motorcycle i think this is in the uk the best selling adventure bike in the uk can you guess royal enfield himalayan at four thousand six hundred and ninety nine pounds the himalayan is the best selling adventure bike and i completely see why it's the only bike i've ever ridden where you don't care if you drop it it's almost funny if you drop it it's a kind of bike that begs you to get biffed up and you don't worry about it it's it's free it's just you feel completely free riding it you don't have the fear of destroying a 15 to 20,000 pound adventure bike it's just pure motorcycling in its in its best possible form and i did a bit of a question on instagram a few days ago and i said modern classic or adventure bike and i posted a picture of my Bonneville next to the Pan America and I just welcomed people's comments and thoughts and I had comments from all over the world, the US, Portugal, France, Spain, everywhere. And there is a European biker, I think he's from Portugal, and he he wrote a good comment on this. He said 10 years ago everyone wanted a modern classic or vintage cafe racer now everyone wants an adventure trail motorcycle but when they're tired of carrying the same water and mud kit around they will go back to the cafe racers again i find that really interesting because that is something that i'd considered having the pan america for 4 days it is not the kind of bike that lends itself to the, just this lifestyle motorcycling gear the kind of gear that works on and off the bike it is really more the kind of bike where you feel you need to be all textiled up with the the full touring gear that's probably one of my biggest mental obstacles that I need to overcome with the Pan America it's not the bike itself because and I do say in this YouTube video coming up it's probably the best motorcycle I've ever ridden it's what it represents because modern classics they lend themselves to casual coffee shop runs the lifestyle gear we can jump on and off the bike and the gear works perfectly in bike and non bike related settings but these big adventure bikes they do not lend themselves as much to that lifestyle kind of relaxing cruising biking Monica in my case jumping on the back for a coffee you know we put listen to this because this this was quite eye-opening for me when we had the Pan America and we were going to head off on a a Sunday morning for coffee and a sandwich and we had both bikes there and I said to Monica you choose which one you'd rather go on to the coffee shop and she chose the Bonneville because she found the Bonneville more comfortable and she found the Bonneville more relaxing for these short casual trips so living with day-to-day it's it's easier living with these smaller modern classic bikes in my mind and here's another interesting comment i got when i said adventure bike or modern classic and i'm quoting here why does it have to be a choice look at the first bmw gs classic looks i think motorcycle brands are missing a trick Uh, I get that and remember that comment, remember that comment, look at the GS, classic looks, I think motorcycle brands are missing a trick because I'm carrying on here now, I've got a few different comments in this vein, someone else said, I'm sorry I think adventure bikes look crap, the GS is more like a truck than a bike, the designers haven't got the balls to do their own thing, I started riding in 1978 and I personally like the old school classics. Uh, Triumph have done it with the 1200 Scrambler. Triumph have done it with the 1200 Scrambler. And another person messaged, commented, they said, that's why I went for the perfect combination of the two, the Triumph Scrambler 1200 XE. It has all the capabilities of an adventure bike, but that sexy, modern, classic styling. Absolutely love mine. I had a lot of comments saying that th- these adventure bikes you know that they're not lookers and if you want an adventure bike with the cool looks go to the Triumph scrambler 1200 xc 1200 xc i had a lot of people saying that i've ridden the 1200 xc and maybe it's time i i did reconsider that as a happy medium between the two i found the pan america uh, i found it a better bike than the triumph scrambler 1200 xc slightly more comfortable uh just a little bit more refined the 1200 xc has a higher exhaust which does mean it is significantly significantly less practical um i've just got a couple more comments i really wanted to read out okay quoting here i recall a comment a few years ago that it bmw gs is like a pair of dad jeans perhaps the harley is fresh enough to sit outside of this category but seriously though it's an awfully top heavy bike with that v-twin uh this is the problem i've got it's shallow it's pathetic it's not looking at the real qualities of a bike but are adventure bikes cool are they cool i i know they're accomplished I think they're probably the best genre of bike if we're looking at what is the best motorcycle and we forget about the emotions, we forget about what we perceive to be cool. And of course, being cool is subjective. My idea of a cool bike may be someone else's idea of a completely ridiculous bike. One man or woman's Ducati Panagali, is someone else's Triumph Bonneville, is someone else's BMW GS. It's in the eye of the beholder. The only tangible thing we have is what is genuinely a good bike, what handles well, what's well made, what gives you confidence. These these things we can really, you know, put our fingers on. And adventure bikes, for everything that's remotely tangible, in my eyes, they reign supreme in the motorcycling world. This opened my eyes a bit. Someone here commented and said... Every guy said that when they came back from their test rides that I did um, at the Harley-Davidson experience the other week, every one of the guys who usually rides cruisers said that Harley-Davidson have nailed it. Um, Sure, there'll be purists who hate on it, but whatever. I've asked my local dealer for a test ride now. Basically, everyone who's been testing out the Pan America has absolutely loved it. It's getting good reviews. I did hear someone saying that there's a good chunk of people who rate it more highly than the BMW GS. However, I would say that I don't think I've ever come across a motorcycle model from the comments and messages I've had over the past week. I've never ever come across a motorcycle motorcycle model in the BMW GS that has Attracted more universal praise. I've never met a BMW GS owner who has not had anything but 100% positive things to say about it. They do sound like supreme motorbikes. I, I had an interesting comment actually from an American who said that he's been waiting because I saw my first triumph trident in the flesh uh, and i just posted about it and i said this is a much better looking bike in the flesh than i thought it would be they really do look very fun and high quality bikes for that low price point i was hugely impressed by the trident actually they look like a very very premium motorbike for not much money and really super fun classic circular front headlight design details all around good size physically of bike and just a really well thought out bike I, i i rate those very highly now and i never considered them before but an american rider he said i've been waiting so far two months for my triumph trident in the u.s and i still have three months left to wait some of the lead times now for receiving motorbikes whether it's good sales or the the problem that I've said before with these microchips and things people are having to wait half a year to get a motorbike it's it's huge absolutely huge and I'm moving on now to a tip that I've got and I shared this tip I shared it probably about Maybe even about two months ago or something like that. And that was future classics. What are the future classic motorcycles? Because someone someone messaged me and they said, Freddie, would you rate the Suzuki Bandit as a potential future classic? And I said, Absolutely, one hundred percent. I think it's one of the most bang-on future classic motorbikes you can get right now. The potential for this to go up in value is incredible. And I'm looking at the lowly 600 Bandit. I had one of these, they're superb bikes. This is starting to blow my mind. If there's anyone, if there is anyone looking for a future investment motorbike, you're almost too late. Go out right now and buy a Mark, a generation one, even gen two, they're fine. Buy an air-cooled 600 or 1200 CC Suzuki Bandit. They are beginning to fly up in value. I knew they would. I knew it because these uh, these are bikes that have a lot of emotional attachment to people. Get out there, buy a Suzuki Bandit. Listen to this. Last time I spoke to that, the, the guy said, Freddie, do you think these will be a future classic? About two months ago, three months ago, the cheapest one, on Auto Trader was 600 pounds. Right now, the cheapest 600cc Suzuki Bandit that's not been written off, I don't want one of those, I want one that's not been written off. The cheapest Suzuki Bandit 600, 1,500 pounds. This is the biggest increase that I've seen in a very, very, very long time. Short-term increase in bike values. The Suzuki Bandit there is that it's impossible to have a more bang on, bang on future investment. I think these need to be snapped up. You know, you are looking at fifty-seven thousand miles Suzuki Bandit with the fairings. That's a slightly less appealing one. People like the the, the naked. It's one thousand seven hundred pounds. You know, these these are flying up in value. Really, flying up. I think that is. Uh, oh. You may say, why don't you go and get one? Problem is I'm in Tenerife, the other problem is I don't have a garage. If I had a garage, I'd buy one and keep one. The cheapest 1200cc, that's the real one that could go through the roof in value, if I find a naked, a naked 1200cc bandit without any modifications on the headlights, you need that circular light. Some people have these street fighter lights. You've got to have that circular light. Cheapest one, standard condition with the circular light, naked, 2890 pounds, and that's got 39,000 miles on the clock. I'm, I'm speechless. I'm speechless, these are going up in value so quickly. i i there's no bike, I think, that, that will keep increasing like the Bandits now. An American listener, moving on. As I was talking about the Buells last week, an American listener sent over, let me open it up in this page actually, where is it, here we go. The prices of Buells, because I said if you want a, a good naked Buell, something like the Lightning, something like that in the UK. I said, these are going up in value really strongly. I remember when they were 4K, they're now 6.5K for the cheapest one that I would buy. Well, if you go over to the US, you can get the Buell that I would like, the naked, the Buell Lightning. It's got 40,000 miles on the clock. It's black. It's exactly the right spec. And the price is $3,900. And $3,900 equates to... Let me just do that two thousand eight hundred pounds i know you've got to probably pay for import duties and shipping let's say i think you could do that for 1200 shipping and import duties maybe one and a half maximum you're still looking at very very good saving over uk prices that is that makes sense buying a buell buell lightning for example in the us get one for nothing, £2,800, that's a sure that's on bike to be a future classic, really is a sure on bike, I'm very confident with that, right, where was I, I'm getting too carried away with these future classics, and um, pillions, this is something I wanted to talk about, because pillion comfort, you know, a lot of people were telling me, adventure bikes for pillion comfort, they are the ultimate, i I. I now, well Monica actually disagrees. I was going to say I disagree, I'm, I'm never a pillion. Monica disagrees. See, Monica prefers the comfort of the Triumph Bonneville, the king and queen seat. She way prefers that to the adventure bike. The adventure bike, she said, the seat wasn't super soft and comfortable. And the big problem, the seat height for the pillion is so much higher, so much higher than the rider's seat. She said she actually felt a bit too scared. She was so high up. Um, So she would rate the Bonneville and also cruisers like the Harley Davidson. She said it's much more pleasant for her as a pillion on the back of a Harley Davidson or the Bonneville, especially if you put a backrest on a Harley or something. That's all day comfort for her, but the, the adventure bike, the Pan America, not as comfortable for a pillion. And someone else echoed these sentiments. They said to me, I took my wife out on my old XS11. This is so bad of me, I've forgotten the exact make, Uh, but an old Japanese uh, kind of modern classic type bike with a long flat seat, and the flat seat's key for pillion comfort, my old XS11. Um, And she prefers it to my BMW KT, uh, sorry, my BMW K1600 exclusive and Goldring 1500 because she said uh, the same. The seat level is the same as me and it's more shelter and easier to get on. So this this listener's wife would rather be on a 30, 40 year old classic Japanese bike with a flat seat rather than a big BMW sports tour in the K1600 or even the Honda Goldwing 1500 that blew my mind actually I couldn't believe that that was really really interesting just getting back onto a bit of the Pan America now the Harley there's one thing I didn't get and I still don't get it I cannot figure it out I've been onto forums I've been onto different websites checking I looked all over the bike there's no USB someone let me know if I'm wrong the Harley Pan America has no USB port, so if I want to, you, I've got Quad Lock attachment, put it onto my phone, and I use Google Maps or Ways, and it's brilliant. There's there's nowhere to charge my phone, so I can't use my phone as a sat nav on the Harley. And you could say, oh well, it's fine because Harley has its own built-in sat nav, but it, this is a huge problem I've got here with car and motorbike sat-navs. These brands spend millions of pounds research and development with sat-navs built into cars and bikes they are never good they age atrociously badly atrociously badly and they are never ever ever anywhere anywhere near as good as google maps or Waze. i got so sick of not being able to understand where the harley sat-nav was taking me i ended up just shutting it down and using my my phone with google maps but the problem is because the harley doesn't have a usb port how do i charge my phone but even if I was using the Harley satnav, I still have to set up the satnav on my phone, on my phone to use the Harley satnav. It's not touchscreen on the Harley. I don't get it at all. It doesn't make any sense at all. It's an adventure bike without a USB port as standard. I, I've got a huge issue with that. I think that is not good enough at all. I think every single bike now should have a USB port as standard. I, I don't. By any argument, any argument where you shouldn't have a USB port as standard. That makes no sense. And also, I really do think it, you know, my parents, they've got a BMW with built-in sat-nav. I think it's like a 2,000 pound option. A 2,000 pound option for a sat-nav that is much, much worse than your mobile phone. i it, it will never take off or catch on in my eyes, these sat-navs. I think these manufacturers need to stop it. I really do. I really, really do okay in fact i wanted to get on to let me just get onto this quickly i wanted to do a, a couple of bikes for the week but i want to quickly get onto this because someone sent me over a story that i found quite interesting let's see if i can find it it's about a bike here we go this is from com. still in the factory cr- crate A brand new 1981 Yamaha SR500 is for sale. That may not sound especially interesting, but the reason it is interesting, this bike is still in the crate. It's for some reason been left in its original crate, uh, made in Japan, it's got the color, it's got all the codes on it. It's the bike without its front wheel on because the front wheel is packaged up right next to it. It's almost in kit form or 90% done but it's just got the front wheel off completely packaged up in its crate in all of the original packaging and soft edges and wooden crate and plastic bagging and everything this Yamaha SR500 is possibly the only one left still uh, in the world still in its original factory crate, having never been unpackaged, assembled or ridden. The SR500 was the original road-going version of the Yamaha uh, XT500, an incredibly indestructible off-road motorcycle that's best remembered today for its dominance in the early days of the grueling Paris-Dakar rally, winning the first and second editions of the event in 79 and 80. It looks, It That's a beautiful bike. Really beautiful bike. If I had money, I'd love to own that right i'll move on i love stories like that it you realize actually when you look at the bike this straight out of the box yamaha it looks new because it effectively is new it's never been touched of course no rust on it when you look at it you realize with motorcycle design with the design purely i'm not talking about performance motorcycles have not changed that could go into a showroom today and i wouldn't bat an eyelid thinking "Whoa, what's that old bike doing in there it could pass as a new bike these modern classics it's not like cars with bikes they have not changed one bit really new compared to old it's so eye-opening and if i carry on in the same vein that i've been going on all episode here adventure bikes and what people have been saying okay maybe maybe the triumph 1200 the triumph scrambler 1200s it's called a scrambler but actually it is and Triumph triumphs say this themselves it really is you can think of it like a naked adventure bike maybe that's a good happy medium the triumph scrambler 1200 xc or xc they've been out two or three years now so can i get a bargain and is this the best happy medium bike so, if I start with the Triumph Scrambler 1200XC, it came out in about 2019 and it costs now, if I go to Triumph to a showroom, it will be £12,000. But how much have they come down in value in the past year or two? And I'm looking now, not much at all. The cheapest one available, 1200XC, is it's nine and a half K really you're looking at realistically 10,000 pounds for a 2018 model 10k for a 2018 model so they came out three years ago they've only dropped 2,000 pounds in three years that is incredible I know that it's hard right now getting I don't know these microchips for bikes so I know new bike sales have slowed down because the parts aren't available And people have been saying that used prices have been flying up. Well, this kind of backs it up. £10,000 for a three-year-old bike. It's only dropped in value £2,000. That is eye-opening. The used motorcycle market. Maybe not for the the 20, 30-year-old bikes. Or maybe it is because you look at the bandit now that I was talking about. I didn't even consider that. Is that because of... The shortage of new bikes available now is it pushing up the prices of bikes everywhere? Because the cheapest Suzuki Bandit now is a, a grand and a half. Ah, oh, ten k though. I'm sure I remember those being about eight and a half k a year ago, but maybe I'm wrong. But ten k now for Triumph Scrambler twelve hundred. That's interesting. And if if I'm looking at a pure out and out adventure bike, and I don't have the budget, which I don't for a Harley-Davidson Pan America. Let's have a look, and let's just make this a bit of a Triumph episode, and let's go for the big one. The Triumph Tiger Explorer 1215, 1215cc, came out in 2012, and this is probably one of the ultimate, or if not the ultimate adventure bike from Triumph. Now, it gets superb reviews, this bike. And coming out in 2012, it's now nine years old, so it should have dropped in value a lot. Before I get on to what you can get from the 2012, they only made them for three years, 2012 to 2015, this specific model. MCN rating, five out of five. Five out of five. Owner's rating, 4.3 out of five. You are getting a seriously good motorcycle. But the annual servicing costs have shocked me a bit here. 710 pounds a year annual servicing cost. That is high. That is very high. Weight 259 kilos. That is high. Power 135 horsepower. That sounds about right. MCN rating for everything ride quality, brakes 5 star, engine 5 star, build quality 5 stars, value versus rivals 4 stars, equipment 4 stars. Owners ratings you're looking at 4 stars, 5 stars, 5 stars three stars and the problem is for the three star an annual servicing cost 500 pounds and this this guy actually said this will be my second and last triumph i'm heading back to honda for quality done 12000 miles and it's looking a bit tired even though it's well maintained so actually he's rated the reliability as two stars but it's, it's interesting, it's going back to Japanese. But the vast majority of people rate these bikes very, very highly. And the used prices now, I think this is really, really very interesting. If you're looking, I'm looking at a 2013 model here with 47,000 miles on the clock for 5,250. So you're going to get this bike for 5,000 pounds. And what you get, in fact, you can even get one with the full panniers both panniers and a top box. So you are adventure bike set, 52,000 miles on the clock, 5,400 pounds in gray, looks brilliant. That is a gigantic amount of bike for the money. 5,000 pounds for a Triumph Explorer. I think that's gotta be a great substitute if you don't have the budget for a Harley Pan America. I'm sure that would be a supreme, supremely capable motorcycle. I get the adventure bikes. I'm looking at them and I see them in a new light. Now I'm looking at thinking, yeah, yeah, I'd ride around the world on that. Is it my style of bike? Uh, I still don't know. Jury's still out. I still haven't decided in my mind, but there you go. Hopefully that is a little bit of useful advice or at least something slightly eye-opening and I'll end it there. Thank you. sticking with me for this week's episode please do if you've got any comments or ideas about what to talk about or just something that i've spoken about today and you want to share your insight ping me over an email dob.bs at outlook.com have a brilliant week all and i'll catch you in the next one